Welcome to Swift Unscripted. Swift podcasts give you, the listener, the opportunity to hear the inside story and be part of the conversation about all means all with leaders in the field of inclusive education and school-wide transformation. Here we are at Swift headquarters at the University of Kansas, recording a live podcast on the topic of supporting school-wide transformation. And our guest today is Dr. Amy McCart. Dr. McCart is an associate research professor with the Lifespan Institute and an adjunct faculty status with the Department of Special Education at the University of Kansas. She is the co-principal investigator and director of technical assistance for SWIFT. Dr. McCart worked in a number of urban schools, including the Recovery School District in New Orleans, Louisiana, the Kansas City, Kansas Public Schools, and the District of Columbia, Washington Public Schools. She was the site director at an agency supporting individuals with low incidence disabilities working to improve quality of life, among other roles. And we're just very um, happy to have you here today, Dr. McCart. So thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. It's good to be here. Excited to learn from you. So one of the things that I learned from reading your bio is that you've had experience working in a number of urban school environments, including New Orleans, Washington, D.C., Kansas City. Can you tell me a little bit about what you learned from those experiences and how they're shaping your current work? Sure, sure. I had the great opportunity to to work in Kansas City uh, public schools, and that's actually where I started my education. Oh, wow. I went to kindergarten in, mm-hmm. in KCK here, and um, ha- there's a large urban population, um, and then had the opportunity to, to go back there um, as, a, as a doctoral um, candidate, and then... Um, after that, worked in um, New Orleans Recovery School District post Katrina in the year, year two years following Katrina, and um, got to see firsthand the impact that event had on um, not only the students but the teachers there. And then uh, from there, um, Washington D.C. public schools, and um, worked in several schools there that were. Um, at risk of, of closing. And I think um, when I try to draw a, a line between what are the events that shaped how um, Dr. Saylor and myself uh, came to view um, our current work is um, how so many um, students, particularly students who are African American, were deeply impacted by either um, challenging um, world events or social events or um, ineffective supports in their um, schooling. So that became our, our joint mission. And um, I think the realization uh, for SWIFT um, was birthed in, in the middle of an urban uh, school in, in DCPS. It was Stanton Elementary School. And the principal there was working very hard at trying to turn that school around. And it was one of those schools that if it closed, um, it was really the only major thing in that environment. And it was going to be dramatic. Most of the parents there were um, under uh, 23 years of age, a very young parent population, and just um, a lot of at-risk and problem behavior in the school. And that was when um, you look at the how we think about the triangle now as it relates to MTSS or as it related to PBIS and think about how do you provide s- 
uh, supports to students with the most significant needs. You know, and you think about efficiencies around the triangle of tier one is a great core or universal instruction, and then you have that tier two where you're in um, adding supports, and then tier three where we're really intensifying. Well, what do you do when most of the school um, needs intensive supports? And that's really... Um, the catalyst for rethinking MTSS. We couldn't just go in and offer intensive supports to a few because we had um, massively um, serious challenges in all three of those environments um, to for a variety of reasons that required that we um, think about MTSS in a different way. And can you tell us a little bit about what that means, thinking about MTSS in a different way? How does that look at SWIFT? compared to maybe other places? It's, it, it, yeah, MTSS is, um, now we think about it in terms of um, how do we meet the needs of every single student in the building. It emerged from the concept of response to intervention, where you look at um, how is a student responding to this intervention and what changes do we need to make? Um, in order for that student to be successful. The way we think about MTSS here at SWIFT is it's, it's really the whole school. You look right from the beginning and you say, who, is, who are the children in this building? Who are the teachers and the staff and the resources in the building? What is the space that we have? How can we set up a master schedule and course curriculum and tiered interventions to meet the needs of all kids? And it's less a numbers game of, oh, 80% this and 10% that and 3% this as it is. Let me just take a picture of what my school is like right now. And whatever that is, how do we use the people I have, the space I have, the resources I have to meet the needs? It's it's really a, a sort of a transformative way of thinking about education for all mm-hmm. instead of thinking about how do I meet the needs of this one individual over here um, in exclusion of, of others in the system. It's a great description of it. Yeah. So one of the things that you mentioned, I think it was at Stanton Elementary School, you said that there were a lot of um, challenging behaviors that were influencing the work there. And I know that you have some experience working with the National PBIS Center Positive Behavioral Interventions and Supports. Can you tell us a little bit about how PBIS plays in to in, how that relates to MTSS and your work with SWIFT and your experiences with that center? Sure, sure. That um, center has been um, a leader in the field, and that's pbis.org, and it's led by George Sugai and Rob Horner and Tim, Tim Lewis, and it has done amazing work um, over the years on um, shaping um, schools to direct their attention towards behavior in a positive and proactive way. Um, We learned a long, long time ago that excluding kids for discipline reasons did nothing but make the problem worse. Um, At Stanton Elementary, that was the reason that we were called in there. Kids um, were running um, out of the building at all hours of the day. Um, There was a lot of crime at the time. Parents uh, were fighting with each other. Um, in the building, and it was just a very challenging situation. Um, PBIS gave us a framework to begin thinking about how can we put some proactive things in place, a lot of reinforcement. Um, they, I remember the first thing they instituted was calling every single parent by their first name. So wow. to re-engage parents in, in the school, 
that had been um, deeply negative for many of the parents that had gone there. Um, so um, the PBIS Center, with um, their sort of um, ideas around evidence-based practices uh, within each of the tiers, allowed a menu to evolve over the years for people to draw on so that they weren't in a reactive mode regarding behavior and they were able to think, okay, this is a child that we had in this building at second grade that struggled. We know that he's done better this year, but when he comes into third grade, we're not going to wait and see if he's going to fail. We're going to make sure that we have some positive, proactive behavioral strategies in place for him to be successful. How that merges with SWIFT is um, in addition to having our similars operate in very similar ways in supporting schools nationally, um, it, it really looks at um, the academic side of the triangle and the behavioral side of the triangle where you're providing supports across the tiers and it really blends those two. Mm -hmm. There was a time when we had a red part of the triangle and the and the yellow part and the green part. And now all of those colors are mixed and merged because um, students, as we all know, have a variety of needs from academic to behavioral, and they can need um, universal tier one support for academics, but yet need tier three or intensive support for behavior needs. And that can shift and change all the time based on what their progress monitoring data says. So. Um, at, at Stanton, that was sort of the first uh, real-life application. It was mm -hmm. a schooling crisis, and it, it gave me an opportunity there as well as at, in some other schools to, to try out the um, strategies of PBIS and, and get, get my feet wet with that and make sure that I had a real good understanding of, of behavioral challenges. One little side note that brought that to uh, reality in one school was I was walking down the halls of, um, of, of Stanton Elementary and um, helping with some teaching teachers, some hallway supervision, and I walk past the boys' restroom and a young man was sitting barefoot in the sink with the water running. And so, um, and this of course is an all concrete, yeah. slippery surface, and so I step into the bathroom to say, hey, are, are, you know, let's kind of move out of the sink. And he jumps with his wet feet out of the sink into my arms. And I thought, you know, you're trying to intellectualize and, and create an idea of what um, education can be for all kids. Um, but each and every day teachers are in classes dealing with things that you can't even imagine, imagine yeah, and visualize. Exactly. <laughs> Didn't have a plan for that one. <laughs> exactly. So what do you do with a kid sitting in the sink with wet feet? Um, you grab them, and then yeah. you kind of help them walk down the hall. And so, yeah, so I feel like that's it. That's what we'll, at SWIFT what we've, we've tried to do is really step into the shoes of teachers and principals and school administrators and districts as they support mm -hmm. um, teachers and um, have some ideas about how they can reshape their school but have a very clear and direct understanding of what it's like to support kids who have really extensive needs. Right. Do you have any stories or examples of sort of the positive change that you saw after helping teachers and supporting teachers with some of this work, whether it be PBIS or 
the academic side of MTSS. Yeah, that's the great part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, it's it's the disadvantage of getting older, but the um, the advantage of seeing the fruition of of working with Dr. Saylor for so many years. I've I've just seen countless schools turn around um, their efforts at supporting children and their families, and every um, school that we had been in was just just so deeply impacted, and it was nice to see scores go up. This school stamp that was slated to close, um, their grades went up, you know, by by numbers of years. Students right. just really. Um, began to excel. It took a year of focusing on behavior, an entire year, um, because we couldn't teach um, anything but behavior stuff and try to start layering in academics to get that school out of crisis. Um, and um, the same in Katrina, there was so much um, in, in New Orleans, so much trauma that we had to allow um, for adults and children to heal through that and in doing so begin to when we layered in effective instruction that make sure that it, it, it hit right and that it was it was impactful so lots and lots of examples and then of course now in the Swift Center we have our wonderful 64 schools and 16 districts, maybe 17 districts. I can't yeah. remember the districts. <laughs> and our five states, we've got lots of examples now. And that's what we were asked to do with this project. We were asked to develop exemplars of um, effective, um, equitable education for all kids, including those um, with very significant needs. And, and we have lots of examples now around the United States. So It's great, rewarding work. Yes, it is. <laughs> and I can tell you're very passionate about it. And speaking of that, I know another thing that you're passionate about is uh, with SWIFT, you've done some work leading a task force on My Brother's Keeper. Can you tell us, our audience, a little bit about that initiative, what that means, and what that work has revolved around? Oh, sure. I'd love to. That uh, President Obama had um, instituted a, a, a My Brother's Keeper initiative to encourage communities to sort of address the challenges, particularly related to boys and young men of color. Um, there is a lot of work also related to um, girls of color as well, but our work is focused on um, boys and young men of color, and it's uh, specifically related to some of the stories that I've been telling mm -hmm. of being in all of these um, environments that I have over the years and recognizing that um, young boys of color often are the ones that um, are identified um, for exclusion, exclusionary disciplinary practices, um, are um, un unfairly or inappropriately targeted for more punitive disciplinary action, um, disproportionately identified for special education, um, are um, um, have racial um, discrimination that comes up that is very hard and microaggressive um, types of interactions, and so. The My Brother's Keeper Task Force at SWIFT was really just uh, established to help our schools and our partners look at their um, boys and young men of color and um, their families and see how they might do a better job at making sure that they 
are in fact being equitable, um, listening to the student and family voice in that process and really uh, supporting um, their success as they move ahead. I'm, um, we're really wanting to continue that work. Um, we're looking at um, doing some work in California and um, adding a, an additional focus of the strong Latino and Hispanic population that's in California. And it's it's got really pow- a lot of power. There's um, people come together and tell their stories of how they've they've made it in this world and um, people of color um, have just um, had a really rough time and there's really a lot of fear now mm-hmm. um, um, for folks that um, uh, came to this country in a variety of ways um, about what will happen and um, it's really um, an opportunity to expand those conversations and to feel safe that, at least in terms of education, that we've got their backs and we're with them and we and we care and, and take care. Such important work. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know that not only do you have these vast experiences as a, as a professional in the field, but you also have a different perspective as a parent. Can you tell me a little bit about your experiences with your own <laughs> children and how that shapes your thoughts and your current work, your own children being in school and their experiences in school and how that shapes sort of your thoughts about moving forward in education. I would love to talk about my children. <laughs> children, I yeah, that's yes, always a fun topic, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> right, right. I have, I have three daughters, and they've been coming to conferences for, with me on and off throughout the years. And um, I, have, I have one daughter who um, was identified as gifted and had an IEP for that. And I have one daughter who um, is, had learning needs and was identified for an IEP for that. And then I have another daughter who um, has, was not identified for anything and um, just went through the system you know, much like I did. And I, um, I probably learned the most um, regarding the need to advocate as a parent for my child with learning needs. The system... Um, was was failing her, and um, it was an opportunity for us to grow as a family in partnership with our school and coming together. It taught me that our current IEP system and um, our role within that is less than perfect. Um, you, it, you know, having a PhD in education, I still struggled to have the IEP work. Um, uh, for my daughter in a way that helped her get ahead. It was so much more ab- about the relationships with the teachers that she had and the, um, the principal and the um, general educators in the building working um, with one another to uh, support her success. And so um, I think I get to check the box that all three daughters made it through and are doing okay <laughs> so far. I think you can t- uh, check that box. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, they're they're doing they're doing good, and okay. it's it's I it's good to stand um, back in the shoes of a parent for a minute and remember how hard it can be on that on that side. And these two questions might be a little bit uh, related, but at SWIFT we talk a lot about why inclusive education is important. And I was wondering, what is your why? Like, what is the motivator for the work that you do? What made you get involved in all of this to begin with? What is my why? I think my why um, is um, follows the string of the conversation we've had, mm-hmm. where um, just so many children um, come 
to kindergarten or pre-K with a with a hope and optimism that that starts to fade, um, and particularly if they're a child of color and um, or a child with a disability, and particularly if they're both. Right. Um, it's like how do we keep that bright light shining? And I can name a a number of children that helped. Um, shape that vision um, over the years, but it really goes back to that. It goes back to the swift um, um, belief statement around, you know, we just, you know, we want, we want education to be for all children, and we want educators to guide education. Um, we as educators don't go in and try to be surgeons, you know. We, we train to be educators, and we're the, we're the people that should be um, teaching our children. And that's been one of the great aspects of the SWEPT work is our partners in our states and districts and schools have come together um, in our shared knowledge to really say we can do this. And, and we know some great ways um, to support children um, n- no matter what their needs. So long, long answer to my why, yeah. but... So. <laughs> And this is kind of related to that, but so do you have any, like, uh, what's your vision for the future? Like, where do you see it going from here 10 years from now, 20 years from now? That's my favorite question. <laughs> um, I, I, I have a very clear vision of where I see this, and um, it gets rejuvenated every time I get the opportunity to talk with teachers in, in the field, but I envision um, schools as... Um, as a symphony where um, kids are like these, you know, musical notes and they're just moving um, through the building and um, happy and the, the teachers are like the orchestra and the families are there um, in the audience. And um, we've touched on this at Swift where we have help schools to begin to shift into this beautiful um, machine that is um, this, that's like a symphony. And um, kids move to um, the classes and the teachers where they need and they move out of that. And um, kids aren't um, receiving services based on a label or a predetermined space or slot or funding but rather every child that comes into the building, the teachers look around and, and, the, and the administrators look around and say, okay, how can we best support this child? And that with every single child that comes in, they say that. And then that's when that, that's, that symphony sort of begins to emerge. And it's complex. It's, it's not a tune, right. you know, it's a symphony. Um, and each person, you know, in that orchestra has a very important role in making that music happen. And, and so that's, that's what I envision it. And, um, that's beautiful art language, but, but what's great is we have actually the very specific tools at Swift, um, that do that, that help build that, the tiered intervention matrix, the master schedule, the resource, um, mapping and matching that we have intervention matching all of these tools you know that we have on our website that are um, able to help um, help us realize that um, 
future symphony for our schools. I love that description. And I love that the first thing you said is you see that the kids are happy. Yeah. Such an important part, I mean, of education that sometimes gets lost. Yeah. <laughs> Not the most important part when right. it yeah. should be. <laughs> yeah. So I love that. So as we're finishing up, is there anything else that you'd like our listeners to know or any advice that you'd like to give to those who are on the gra- ground out there in the field? Yeah, I think that um, often we feel as educators defeated. If you're, you know, if you're in the role of an educator or an administrator on a district team or a special educator trying to make a difference and and you just feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders because you're trying to do right by kids and you're bogged down by paperwork and bureaucracy and the new rule that's coming this way and the new policy of that way, that if you can see through um, this... Um, all of that and know that um, there are people working out there in support of you um, to help you find the answers so you don't have to find them all on your own and and knowing that um, you have the power to change a life and if on any given day or with any given year it's it's not as much as you hoped it's still huge right it's still huge and so I guess the advice is, you know, stay the, stay the course and make your change happen as you can and uh, brush your shoulders off with the rest. <laughs> Keep going. Right. And luckily, SWIFT has some resources and tools that are yes. free and available to anyone that they can find on SWIFTschools.org to kind of help through that sometimes difficult process of supporting all kids. So, well, thank you so much for your time today. It was very um, enlightening and so great to hear your stories and how those stories have helped shape what SWIFT is now. So yeah. I really appreciate it. Sure, I'm happy to be here. Good. So if you want to know the full story about school-wide transformation, just go to SWIFTschools.org and click on SWIFT Talk where you can find more stories written by leaders in the field of school-wide transformation. These leaders include school administrators, teachers, parents, and others who are promoting all means all. SWIFT is a national K-8 center that provides academic and behavioral support to promote the learning and academic achievement of all students, including students with disabilities and those with the most extensive needs.